Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. It's time for our final edition of the Rowan University Football Coaches Show for the 2022 season. I'm Derek Jones, as always, joined by the head coach of Rowan University Profs Football, Jay Corsi. Coach, welcome. Yeah, how are you doing, Derek? It's a little quiet here in the studio as opposed yes. to being over at Italian Affair, and it, you don't get the Italian music with the smells. But no Sinatra. It's still nice to be here, though. It's still nice to be here. <laughs> no, Maybe we can play Sinatra in yeah, the hallway or something like that. Yeah. But it, it's great to have you here to, to recap the season that was, and um, we've got a lot of ground to cover here during the show, but kind of let's start from the end of, of the season. Big win for the profs to close out the season, and a great way to send off your seniors against the University of New England. Yeah, it certainly was. And again, you know, when you look at the season, which we'll talk about, but, we, you know, we were so close, um, you know, in even the couple of games that we lost that we easily could have been 10-0 and 0 instead of 7-3. and 3. But certainly it was the senior group and the, and the leadership of the captains that maneuver us through COVID and, and through last year and into this year. And just want to make sure, you know, they're mentioned. Obviously, C.J. Barrett, the tight end, will be missed. Um, Malik Boyd, reserve offensive lineman, Miles Cook, a corner was hurt for part of the year. Um, uh, Jefferson DeGene on the offensive line. Obviously, Jake Hurler, who, who we will miss um, in terms of an all-conference player. Obviously, Mike Husney. Uh, Danny Kay, the punter, who did a great job for us. Mike Klein on the offensive line. Obviously, John Maldonado. Um, you know, Mike Mascioli. Um, and Trayvon Reed, who got hurt in the latter part of the year and needed surgery, but um, certainly a senior finishing up. So, you know, that was the group, um, you know, that really maneuvered us through, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of COVID and really got us back to playing Rowan football. I think we played really high-quality football this year and really a couple of bounces here and there. We could have been in the playoffs, won the conference, and on our way. So, um, you know, they are in particular the ones that got us back to playing championship row in football, which, uh, you know, a credit to them and their dedication and everything they did with what is still an extremely young team, um, but certainly want to make sure, to, you know, that we get, the, you know, their mention and, and certainly all the thanks for what they did. And as a part of that, the, the offseason accolades, the NJAC all-conference football team being announced, Mike Husney, first-team offense. James Farah, first-team offense. John Maldonado, first-team offense. And Ahmad Gant, first-team defense. So some pretty good representation. Maybe some more probably should have been on that, that first team you can make the case. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, you're in a competitive conference. There's a, a, a lot of good teams. Um, you know, so again, you know, it, it, it makes it really difficult um, but certainly deserving, you know, of those players. And, and obviously John and, and Mike and even James, you know, had mentions for conference players of the year offense. And, um, you know, again, you know, those were the players, like I said, that helped get us back to playing high-quality football and the ones that, that, that certainly got recognition uh, by the other coaches in the conference. We nominate, um, you know, a certain amount of players and then really – when you get into the voting, you vote for nobody on your team but players on the other team, and they rank it. And it's pretty intricate, but it kind of works itself out. But again, you know, sometimes these all-star teams and all-conference teams are what they are, you know. And uh, but again, certainly we're very appreciative, and, and certainly uh, had some uh, you know great representation on the first team, second team, and honorable mention as well. Jake Hurler getting second team special teams honors. As a kicker, Clem Kafaro along the offensive line for the props. Second team offense as well. 
Honorable mention, C.J. Barrett, uh, Mike Mascioli, despite fighting through injuries throughout the part of the year as well. Yep, and again, you know, players that played for us at a high level, again, that got recognized by other coaches in the conference. Uh, and again, certainly, um, you know, they're all very deserving. And uh, again, um, you know, unfortunately, we'll be losing a good portion of them, but some of them coming back. So, um, again, it's nice to get recognized by the peers and, and by the other coaches in the conference for, for what our players do. So you mentioned a second ago about the ball bounces a couple different ways. Maybe things turn out differently. Seven and three season for the profs. Um, you, you mentioned getting back to Rowan football, and I think – we, we we saw that in particular in the trenches with the offensive line and the defensive line as well, and that's always been one of the hallmarks of, of good Rowan football teams. How would you assess kind of where the team's at right now in terms of, yes, you are losing guys, but just the, the attitude and overall aura of, of where things could be headed heading into next year? Yeah, I think we're still all really excited. I mean, we're still a young team. Uh, you know, we're predominantly a – sophomore team because it's the freshmen that came in COVID and the freshmen that came in two years ago that are sophomores with us now and then those that are trying to get the extra years back so you know we're still a predominant fairly young team but I think we're more experienced you know I thought we played really good football last year in 2021 we just came up short we just didn't have that experience um, so again, I, I, I'm happy with the progression of where we are as a program and I'm happy for the players that we won games and did some really good things. We were so close. I mean, really to, to almost knock Salisbury off, um, you know, at their place homecoming, you know, we're only a couple points away and at Christopher Newport in what everybody thought was going to be a monsoon hurricane and ended up being a really nice day. And that was a close game. And then, Really, last play of the game, Salve Regina. So, really, we could have been, you know, ten and zero, um, you know, with that. So, uh, again, I, I'm fairly happy. I, I wish, you know, we had gotten back in the playoffs and had a chance to do that this year. I think our captains and seniors deserved it, um, but unfortunately, we came up a little bit short. But I think overall, um, you know, the program's back to to where it was beforehand, and even a couple of years before COVID. Um, I, th- I think we're back playing championship football with high-quality players, and, and I think we're all still really, really excited where we're headed. Three losses by a combined 15 points. Yeah, it's kind of – yeah, it's – I mean, you know, and again, it's – but again, I think if you look at even the previous year in 2021, we were still so close in almost every game, maybe not Springfield and maybe not Salisbury, but most of the other games we were really close. So, you know, in a short time span, we had to get back to – uh, doing normal things after COVID. I, I don't know if we're all still normal back yet right. doing things, but I think our, our football speaks for itself, and we're back playing championship football, and, and our players are deserving of that. And, and we're, we're really excited, but, again, appreciative of, of the hard work the players had to do to come back. Um, you know, from, from a tough three semester, it was really, you know, the, the spring of 20, the fall of 20, in the spring of 21, there was three semesters. We didn't really see the players a lot and do a lot. Um, so it, it, it took a while to get us back, but but very appreciative of what the seniors have done and, and excited for the future of Rowan football, certainly. And I, and I hope people saw that this year. It was exciting football, and um, uh, again, we're back to, to playing, I think, championship-type football here at Rowan. I, I will say, I mean, if you went to a home game this year, you, you were not – 
sitting on your hands. No. You, you got your money's worth. Yeah, no, and and that you know that's and we're appreciative again. I, I think our players are appreciative of the home crowds we get because we played at some places that didn't have some large crowds, and I think our players understand that. So, um, you know, you want to give everybody their money's worth, but but you want the home people, you know, your family and friends and everyone else to be proud of what you do. And and I think they could look look back at, at this year's team and, and, and really have a lot of smiles and a lot of great memories. So we're going to dive into both sides of the football, but I, I, I do want to ask right off the top, I, I would presume the number one and two question you will get <laughs> over the next six, seven, eight, nine months will be, hey, Who's playing quarterback for this yeah. team next year? Obviously, Mike Husney had a tremendous career at Rowan, but one way or another, there's going to be a different guy under center next year. What can you tell us? What do you think the position will look like moving forward? Yeah, and that's always been an intricate position. It's always been one that's attracted attention, especially when you have somebody leaving, like Mike, that's been with us for a couple of years, um, you know, and then the craziness of transfers and the transfer portal and recruiting um, again we're, we're extremely happy with the three players in the program Ryan Bartz uh, Joey Rena and Noah Bernati I think any one of those three could step right in and 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 as I say you know put the keys in the Ferrari and take off um, we're excited about the three all three have made great progressions um, so again all three will be here for the spring jumping in and and going from there, you know, the transfer thing's always an intricate thing with the dynamic of the transfer portal. Again, you know, <laughs> I don't see Caleb Williams leaving, you know, USC to come to Rowan. <laughs> but we've had some inquiries already about transfers. And again, they're probably going to be Division Two, lower level 1AA's. Again, Mike transferred in from Marist. So again, um, you know, those are the type of programs that maybe players would look at to come to Rowan, um, you know, with all the craziness of the transfer portal. So we've had interest. We will have interest. And as I've mentioned, the three quarterbacks in the program will be upfront, open and honest with them and let them know, you know, they're going to be competing with whoever um, comes in, if any, you know, again, we'll have to wait and see, but certainly we have three. You really feel comfortable having five. So we need to bring two in, whether they're, seniors from high school coming in as freshmen or some sort of transfer we'll have to see but again um, the nice part is you know whoever or whatever combination of people it is you're coming into an experienced offense obviously we have to replace John at the wide receiver spot but we have some wide receivers there obviously you have to replace CJ Barrett at the tight end position but there's a lot of offensive linemen coming back James Farrer is coming back there's some good running backs coming back so the nice part is we'll be able to ease somebody into that transition at that position. Well, and, and the thing is, you know, and this is in no way to slight John Maldonado, but you, you've seen glimpses of guys this year mm -hmm. who potentially could step yep. in and be a number one guy yep. if given the opportunity. Yeah, and again, I, th I think, you know, again, I think that's what we're, why we're excited. We have a lot of players at a lot of positions um, deep at a lot of spots, and there's a lot of players that didn't get probably enough time that they would have gotten in almost any other program. So we're excited about that part of it. Um, you know, on both sides of the ball and at special teams. So again, I think we're really all excited, and there's a lot of great players in the program that their time is coming, and they'll get some opportunities with the players that we have leaving. 
You mentioned transferring. It's it's always been interesting being here and being around the program. You you hear about guys coming in to the program, but you don't hear oftentimes about a mass exodus of guys mm. transferring out of here. Yeah. Well, I mean, what does that say about the program and what you guys have been able to build? Well, again, I, I think you got to build your foundation, you know, with four-year players. You can't have just, you know, one- and two-year players. And, again, you know, talking off-air about the grad transfer deal and, um, you know, all their Division three programs using that. You know, you got to be careful when you're bringing in one-year players. Um, and, again, we did in the 90s, um, you know, and the transfer rules were much different then than they are today. Um, you know, you didn't have the APR with the graduation rate with Division One schools getting penalized of losing players. Players could leave academically and academically ineligible and be eligible at Division Three if you're creative. The rules have changed. All the different things have changed. So you don't see it as much. But again, it's about the culture and the environment, too. You know, you got to be careful at any point what players you bring into your program to make sure they're a fit with the culture and the environment that you have. And we've already, and I've already turned away some one-year players that just, I don't think that's fair to the players in the program. You know, they got to have two to three to four years to meld with the players we have. But again, you have to build that foundation. Once you build the foundation, then you can start to dabble a little bit with it. You know, the transfer portal thing is a wild world, as we all know. Um, but again, you know, we're not going to get a ton. We're going to get some, and we got to be very careful to make sure they fit with our players. Our current players deserve that, um, and they've earned that part for us to do it. So whatever players we're looking at at transfers, at whatever position, we're going to mull it over and make sure that they're a good fit for the culture and environment of our program and meld with our players. It's very interesting. You see nowadays so much on TV with, like, the, the hard knocks and, you know, whether it's uh, football, basketball, and then you hear the word culture. And all it takes sometimes is to bring in, regardless of how talented the person is, one guy who could potentially maybe, you know, alter kind of the chemistry in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 you know, again, and when you see those things happen, you know, and those type of players, you know, that whole chemistry, you know, football is so different than most all other sports. There's so many pieces to the puzzle and so many players more so than any other sport. So you got to be really careful with that culture and that environment that you want it to be a positive, really good, inviting culture because players have to rely on each other so much in the sport of football more than any other sport. And if you have issues, it's going to creep up and it's going to happen anywhere on the field at any time and you need to be very careful. So, again, you just got to be very upfront and open and honest about it, but certainly you see it happening, you know, even in the pros with, you know, quarterbacks coming back that have been – out of it for a while, one in particular, the whole dynamic of your team changes, and you just got to be very, very careful in how you do it, especially at the college level, I think. Defensively for your team, as you take a look at that side of the football, how did you see them progress throughout the course of the season? Yeah, I think they grew up really fast. You know, we needed them to. Um, you know, they had to kind of catch up to a more experienced offense. Um, you know, we lose essentially kind of Mike Mascioli, um, who was hurt for, for a good portion of the year. Um, and, and again, um, you know, most of the other players are back. So we had to grow up pretty quickly, pretty 
um, expeditiously and, and, and again, had to play some players, again, because most of your injury is going to happen on the defensive side of the ball. Those are the players that are going off hitting other people. So most of your injuries are going to occur on the defensive side. And I thought we, we, we held our own. I thought, you know, the early tests with Widener and, 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 and Springfield and, and an early game with Christopher Newport, those really um, exposed us in some areas, especially defensively, that we had to grow up and, and, and really kind of, um, you know, tweak and move some things around. But I thought by the end of the year we were playing some tremendous football. Um, and again, that's where we were really young and we were we knew we were going to take some lumps but i think the coaches Cedric Dawkins and the defensive coaches in particular did a great job of playing a lot of players so that you know we were tested through the entire season and i thought we grew up really fast yeah i think you take a look at the the really the back half of the season you give up 9 points to Patterson 10 to Kane Salisbury allowed 28 points, but it's a it's a back and forth affair, and they kind of had a lot of peaks and valleys in the game. Yep. Give up seven points to Montclair State, and then the New England game, you give up 20. But again, um, it's a game that Rowan had control of, so mm-hmm. it, it felt like the defense really started to gel in the back half of the season. Yeah, and really started to limit teams. And again, you know, people forget all the great teams that have been here, and at least since I've been here has been those teams with those championship defenses. And and I thought we really, from especially last year to this year, really progressed. And from the beginning of this year to the end, really started to kind of dominate a little bit defensively, which we hadn't done in a while. Um, so, again, I, th- I think we're getting closer. Um, we played a lot of players. We have a lot of players back. Um, you know, we lost some players to injury too that probably could have played a lot for us on that side of the ball. You know, Kyle DeGraw is one that came to mind that we were really excited about at the defensive end position um, and then got hurt and missed the year. But again, he'll be back. So again, they grew up really quick and the coaches did a great job. And I think we're, we're, we were playing at the end of the year really championship Rowan football defense. And I'm really excited to see where that goes to. And that's that's something to to take note of because you know the, the struggles over the last season or so. Sometimes people look at the the win loss record and the the immediate look is okay. What's the offense doing? Especially here, what's the offense doing? But defensively, there there have been some ups and downs as a part of it. But it was it was pretty cool to kind of see them round back into form. And when we had the guys on the show. They felt that, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, really, Springfield was probably our low last year in 2021. I mean, we defensively really struggled, really struggled, you know, and our goal was to play well against option teams because of Salisbury in the conference. So, you know, we knew it wasn't going to happen just in one year, but it was a cultivation of, you know, playing Army Prep again this year and playing Springfield again this year and putting ourselves in a position to possibly beat Salisbury, which we did this year. So, again, it's, some things take a little bit longer than others. And, again, um, you know, my job as the head coach is to see the big picture and see where you're headed. You know, sometimes that's not all the ways people are looking, and, you know, it's just un- unfortunate. But, again, I, I think we're – we're at championship level football in all phases and especially defensively because as young as we are, we're still really young on the defensive side. So there's a whole host of room for us to grow and really be dominant. And at times, we were dominant this year defensively, which surprised me even, but really excited to see where we're at. 
Stay tuned. We'll have more on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM right after this. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar. Located at 900 Delcy Drive in Glassboro, Italian Affair offers traditional Italian cuisine in multiple dining areas, including an outdoor patio. Established in 1988, Italian Affair also provides catering and private party options. For more information, the phone number is 856-881-2121 and the website is italianaffairglassboro.com. Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar is proud to support the programming on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan University Football Coaches Show on Rowan Radio. Regardless of, of what happens at quarterback, next year the running game you'd have to think will be a pretty big vocal point of of what happens moving forward. Yeah, no question. Again, we're going to have to lean on that part of the offense to to break in whatever or whichever quarterbacks it is for us, which is nice. Um, I thought we were able to run the ball against everybody pretty much whenever we wanted this year. You know, maybe struggle a little bit against Salisbury, you know, maybe against Kane a little bit who's good up front. Um, But I thought we were able to run the ball all the time and again I think to back to all the great offenses that we've had here that gets overlooked when you're able to run the ball whenever you want in any situation it's easier to throw the football so I think we're back to that part of the formula that now we can continue to dabble with throwing the football but certainly whoever's in that position or whichever players or however or whatever combination we do it's going to be pretty nice handing off to some really good backs to be able to alleviate some pressure off that position. You mentioned having James Farah back potentially next year. I mean, that would have to be a huge help. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, he played at such a high level. Um, what helped him was, you know, having Juwan Hayes and Kyron Roan and some others take that load off so that he didn't get as hurt and and nicked as you need to and again you need to do that at every position which I think we really tried to do so again that's a great part of the arsenal and weapon um, you know that we're going to have offensively is that we can you know we can we can score on you and we can move the ball running the football um, and get big plays too because there are a lot of plays James and Juwan and Kyron and the others made running the football that all of a sudden somebody pops open and they're out in the open running you know that's just as good you know those big plays are just as good as a deep ball to John or whatever CJ um, being able to make that explosive play from the offense from running the football and it's m- more demoralizing to defenses. You mentioned the seniors at, at the beginning of the show and, and the, the guys who uh, will, will be moving on I did want to ask you specifically about Mike Husney and John Maldonado. What, what do you think the, the characteristics that those guys brought to the table that made them successful within the program and kind of help kind of uh, leave a little bit of a legacy behind? Harder, hardest workers on the team. I mean, really, um, you know, you think about what Mike Husney did. Um, Mike was a full-time teacher at Kingsway Regional High School this year. Um, things worked out for him, part-time sub or whatever, and then was basically full-time. So he was teaching all day from 6 or 7 in the morning wow. to 3 in the afternoon, running to practice, doing practice, and then doing his online coursework and all the film study to be successful at the quarterback position. Going to the luncheons on Wednesdays, the the football luncheons in Philly, and 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 talking to the coaches, head coach from Westchester, Penn, and and Villanova, and they're like, 
wait a minute, you let your quarterback do what? Well, that's what our job is here is to make sure that they're going to get a full-time job at some point if opportunities with football don't present themselves. So that's what he did. Now, the average student can't do that. The average person can't do that. He did it at a really high level, and that's extraordinary. But, again, that's not surprising. He's going to be coaching probably middle school, I think, women's basketball at the school. They're going to have him coach. You know, that's what a principal and a superintendent wants in a high school or secondary school is young leaders. So he got scooped up pretty quick before he even finished with us. John is the same thing. You know, I remember, you know, Tim Haggerty, who played quarterback for us, telling me specifically about John. He said, Coach, he's not going to be the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. He's not going to look the part. He goes, but Coach, there's something about him he's going to produce. And that's exactly what John was. You know, he probably wasn't the fastest, the tallest, maybe might have been the strongest, but he wasn't the one that just relied on all these explicit physical talents. He just did it by hard work. It took more than one player to take him down. At times, five or six players to take him down. And at times, I'm like, John, just go down. Don't get hurt. Just go down. We got another play. But that's what set him and Mike apart a little bit. You know, and then guys like C.J. Barrett and James Farah and Mike Mascioli. Mike, Mike Mascioli, the same type of thing. You know, transferred in from Westchester, had a chip on his shoulder, wanted to prove people that he could play college football and be very productive, and he was. So he was an extremely hard worker as well. So when your core players that are the main players in your program doing it through hard work, that permeates to all your other players. So... That's what really made those two and Mike Mascioli and C.J. Barrett and some of the others so special. They were just the harder work, hardest workers on the team. So now all your younger players and everybody else have to look and go, well, if John's doing it and Mike and Mike are doing it, then I have to do it. And then it just sets that whole culture about that work ethic, which, again, I think sometimes gets overlooked. Oh, no doubt about it. And, and you look at, at the props moving forward. Uh, certainly, it, it's a it's a good group, a, a young group that will evolve together. We've kind of on previous coaches shows talked about the challenges they'll face in terms of the scheduling next year. It's the Centennial Conference that'll be coming in to yes. deal with the NJAC. Yeah, so so uh, obviously we were smart as a conference, um, you know, to get a scheduling. We we always try. You know, everybody's like, well, why don't you schedule this team? Why don't you schedule that team? Well, believe me, we do. We try. I, I you know I call. You know. Um, you know, Eastern is starting football over by Villanova. They still have yet to return my phone call. I've called a million times, but again, it's really hard. So I think what the conference and, and, and the athletic directors and Terry Small, the conference commissioner, was able to do was to early on get an agreement with the Centennial because they were losing schools. So they had the same amount that we did, so they needed games to do a scheduling alliance. So now we're going to cross over and play three games with a Centennial um, which we're really excited about. We lost Widener. I thought that was a great local game. They decided to go with Lycoming, which was an old rival of theirs. So, again, as all these conferences shake up, it kind of hurts. But at least next year we have 10 games again like this year, unlike in 2021 when we only had nine. And this is a two-year agreement, which I'm hoping will turn into another multiple two-year agreement. 
So now you're playing three schools that we've never played before in the Centennial. They're fairly close proximity. So again, you'll have a home and away, which is really cool. You get to see three different teams, home and away. And then my hope is after this next season, we're able to get another two-year deal and then rotate it through. So that way we're all not scrambling for games. Everybody's like, well, why don't you bring more teams to the conference? We try. We ask. <laughs> we call. But who wants to come in the end, Jack? Nobody does. We had the New York State schools. They left to go to the pri- with the private schools in New York because they got tired of playing us all the time. So it's a hard thing. But um, my hope is that this Centennial NJAC agreement and challenge will continue for multiple years because they're in the same situation. They have seven schools. They need at least three to four games. And then we keep that pairing all the way through. So that will be certainly one thing to watch uh, during the course of next season. And it's always interesting this time of year because in the backdrop of the the, the offseason, in, in some cases for some teams, you do have the playoffs going on still right now. And I, I, I would, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Salisbury gets sent to Mount Union. Uh, I mean, I, I saw that and I was like, uh, I don't know. I, I felt like that was a little bit of an underseed there. Yeah, again, I, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. Maybe they look at the conference not being strong, I guess. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, You know, one can only guess and imagine what they do. Um, again, I, I always say this, and it's the truth. Division three is dominated by private schools. There are more private schools than state schools. So it's interesting to see a lot of the different things that occur with matchups in these type of things. Um, and, and again, um, you know, I, I think they're deserving of not having to go out there and do that. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You got to be able to play anybody at any time, any place to be able to do that. And um, again, it's it's unfortunate and it's unfortunate. I watched a good portion of the game. They had some mistakes early in the game that hurt them, some fumbles yeah. and some some miscues and mistakes and things they did that they normally don't do. And they did. And again, it doesn't matter who you play when you get to the playoffs. They're all really good, and you can't make a lot of mistakes. And I think they kind of hurt themselves a little bit in the early part of their game. Um, but again, as a conference, we just got to work harder to get respect of people so that you know when they start to seed and do things. But again, NSA playoffs are completely different. There was the one year we were nine and one. Cortland was nine and one. Montclair was nine and one. Cortland and Montclair get in. We don't. We were one seed in the region, won, and didn't get into the playoffs. So it, it is what it is yeah. when you get to the NCAA playoffs. I, you know, I, I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I'm sure someone is, is listening to this potentially and, and screaming on the other side, well, Salisbury lost 51-0 yeah, to Mount is. Union. Yeah. But the reality is most teams that play Mount Union, that score is not far yeah. from that. And you have to play, as you know, you have to play pretty much a, a perfect game in, in most playoff games to have a chance to win, especially against them. Yeah, and again, you know, and again, a lot has to do with proximity and travel too. Yep. You know, Mount Union's close to the East region, so they try to pair teams up with the East with travel. So again, travel is not supposed to be a consideration, but it is. Um, again, when they went to seeding all the teams and got away from regional play. That's what's going to happen, you know. And, again, that's happened over the years where they lump Mount kind of in the East region and pair them against teams in the East. 
Last I checked, they're like a Midwest school. But again, you know, you still have to play the game and you still have to do it. Um, it's just unfortunate. And I get more frustrated, you know, when I see those scores. But you see a lot of those scores where a team wins 40 or 50 or 60 to 7 in the first round. And you're like, are those other teams really deserving to be in there? You know, and again, when they went to automatic bids and they didn't just take the best teams, I'm not so sure. I know it's a true national championship, but I don't think it's taking the best teams, to be honest with you. Yeah, when you look at some of the first-round scores, you know, North Central, who is pretty much top of the heap right now, yeah. 50, they, you know, they went 50 to nothing. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor wins 54 nothing. We talked about Mount Union. St. John's wins 49 nothing. So, yeah, you see kind of – the, the those kind of things happening a decent amount i mean there are some good games obviously happening in the first round but you get some huge disparities yeah, and there are teams that have one or two or three losses but win their conference and get in the playoffs and do really well against their conference teams and do okay against out of conference teams you know so again i understand it. it's about conference play but again you know just because you have so many teams in a conference you get an automatic bid doesn't mean your team's deserving to be in the playoffs, you know. And again, that's where I think even from the '90s when we, you know, we got in some years at seven and three, eight and two, you know. And a lot of times it was us and another team in the end jack. But clearly, we both teams did pretty well, so that was meaning that we are deserving of it. I think there's, you know, especially in the Wisconsin conference, there's a lot of schools in that conference that probably could win a couple of games in the first round and beat a handful of these other teams that probably shouldn't be there. It is what it is. You know, you're not going to change it. Again, that's why I said when you get into the dynamics of Division Three, there's more private schools than state schools. So, you, yes, we legislate and we vote, but it's pretty easy to figure out how voting and things are going to go when schools are a little bit different. Um, but again, that's life and that's how it goes. Coach, as, as we start to close things out here, what do you think is the lasting legacy of the 2022 season? I, I, you know, again, I think, you know, getting us back, you know, getting us back to playing Rowan championship football. Um, you know, we were so close in 21, you know, and I hate to discount the 21 season, um, but, but we were a little young and we were a little inexperienced and just couldn't put teams away. Um, you know, this 2022 team was able to put teams away, um, you know, maybe. And again, it's not just always the score. Just because you don't win 50 to 7, you know, you can still win 21-7 and, you know, 21-13 and still win in, you know, deserving fashion and be confident in what you do. And again, I, th I thought this 2022 team really did that and and has made set the table for us to be back to what we're used to is playing championship football and competing for conference championships and getting back in the playoffs. And again, it, it's the 2022 seniors and then even the seniors from 2021 that, you know, maneuvered us through COVID. It, it was really hard, you know, for our players and our program. And we took a big hit. And again, um, I'm glad it's over, and I'm glad we're kind of back to where we are. But um, we were so close this year, too. I mean, this team was so deserving to to play in a postseason game. And, and the University of New England game kind of was, which was really good. I'm glad we got the 10th game. 
It was a team we've never played before. It was it was almost like a playoff yeah. game because we had to prepare for a team we didn't really know much about, and it was a home playoff game for us. And I think our players looked at it this that way, and played our best game. Really, I mean, really, offense, defense, special teams. We played really well and won in convincing fashion. Gave up a couple scores. I think the weather had a little bit to do with that. But again, this 2022 team was so close and so deserving. And uh, again, very appreciative for all that they did for us. Well, Coach, onward and upward for you and the profs. Thanks so much for giving us your time this season. And it's been a blast as always. Yep. And again, um, a, a little tidbit of, of information most people may not know. There is a marching band starting here at Rowan. Um, and I've been working, the athletic department's been working with the new uh, director of athletic bands that's in charge of the marching band. And I am so excited because, you know, when we go down to Christopher Newport, playing down there and seeing their band, you know, before the game, do the national anthem and then sit in the, the bleachers right under behind the goalpost is so awesome. And I am so excited just for our players to bring another atmosphere to the university and to football games and athletic sporting events with a marching band. How cool is that? Like I'm, and, and they're gonna be at all our home games if all things work well. Um, you know, in in next season in um, you know 2023. So really excited about that tidbit that most people may not know. That adds another dimension. To what you do yeah and again it's about the experience and again it's about you know creating a great experience you know for our fans our student athletes and and everybody now that we're back from covid and i thought we had great attendance i thought you know what they do in the you know with the corner part with the you know bone saw and and in the corner and and all the events homecoming was huge and Family weekend, parents weekend was huge, and it's unfortunate for military appreciation night that that was a night game and it was cold and rainy, and we weren't able to properly, you know, thank those in the military. Um, but again, creating another avenue, a marching band. Are you kidding me? That's awesome, and um, you know, new uniforms and and I'm just really excited for our players, but for our fans. So I want to make sure we mention that that. There's something on the horizon, always behind the scenes going on, and and our fans will have even something more to look forward to next year. Yeah, that's going to be an amazing addition, yeah, awesome. and uh, we, we look forward to that yep. for sure. Yep. Thanks very much to all those associated with putting this show together, including the folks over at Italian Affair. Yep. It was great having uh, them as kind of the backdrop during the course yeah, of the year. Yeah, and want to thank them, and, and obviously Derek Yu and, and then the students here at WGLS that make it so great for – for all the sports teams and, and especially our football program and players, thank you for always covering it and hosting it. And we maneuvered through a, a new location kind of last minute since COVID. And and I want to thank the people at Italian Affair. It was awesome to be in a nice atmosphere, just talking football again and yeah. with players. And, again, just very appreciative of GLS and what you do and, and everybody here. We want to thank you for all that you do. Well, as a uh, wise man once said, to paraphrase him, we're on to 2023. Yes, we are. We're marching in yes. to 2023. I, How I about that? I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for the Roan University Football Coaches Show. For Prost Head Coach Jay Corsi, I'm Derek Jones saying so long, and we'll talk to you next season. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.